Grab our Bibles, Joshua in chapter number 1. Joshua in chapter number 1. Begin reading in verse number one. We're going to read the first nine verses. We're going to try to start a little bit of a study on the book of Joshua and just um, see what the Lord will teach us out of that. A book about um, new beginnings, about going forward, about claiming the victories that God has for them. This is a very transitional time in Israel's history. They were finally coming up to the land that had been promised to Abraham years and years before. Now they were finally getting a chance to move into it. So we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the, wilder, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. I just pray that you'd give me clarity of speech, Lord, that I'd be able to communicate your word in a way that is understandable, Lord, and that you would be free to speak to hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. During World War I, before tactics caught up with the weaponry, the soldiers of opposing armies would take turns going over the top, is the term. They would be in the trenches on either side, and there would be almost an open field in front of them that because of the shelling back and forth, was almost totally devoid of cover, but was strewn with barbed wire and completely open to machine gun fire, artillery fire, and rapid fire, rapid rifle fire. But because tactics hadn't caught up yet, they would soldiers would go over the top. That means they would form a line and come up out of the tr- trench and charge across the open ground 
at the enemy hiding in another trench in an attempt to throw them out of the trench. The attempt to attack them, break through the line, and then they try to hold that while the other side came back across them, across open ground, in the face of machine gun fire and artillery fire. And it was the only thing that really was accomplished a lot during that time was the growth of the casualty list. It was, they called it a deadlock, a stalemate. There was just casualties, casualties, thousands of casualties in single days and nothing was happening. They were, they were, the soldiers were being told to attack, but nothing was going forward. And you think, that's, that's silly, that's, that's just wrong. How many people died during that war because they wouldn't change the tactics? They wouldn't do something that would be a little bit more effective against the trenches, which they did later in the war. But, for years, they would hear the call over the top. They'd come over the, over the top of the trench only to be pushed back because humans don't stop bullets very well and keep going. But sometimes... That's how we can approach the Christian life. Not that I'm saying we're charging at machine guns. But we approach what God wants us to do. God wants us to um, live a victorious Christian life. God wants us to do that. God wants us to have the blessings that He promises in His Word in our lives. God expects us and desires us to live in spiritual victory. We are not supposed to be overcome with this world. Rather, we are to um, overcome because we have Christ living in us if we're saved. It's not supposed to be this thing where we're just ramming our heads against the wall, where we're outdated in our way we're living the Christian life. God's Word is never outdated. The way God tells us to do things is never foolish. It isn't charging against machine guns. God expects us and wants us to live a victorious Christian life. God's will is for us to live in a way that will bring glory to His name. And we cannot do that if we are living a defeated life, if we are living under bondage to the same sins that we, that, um, we struggle with before we are saved. We cannot live a victorious Christian life, a life that brings glory to God, if we are living in sin, if we are not um, being a witness to those around us, if because of our lives, people don't see what God can do. Because um, if we will not bring glory to God, if we do not show what God can do in our lives. Because then people are like, why do I want that? I don't see God doing anything in your life. God expects us, God desires us, God shows us how we are supposed to live in such a way that brings victory and brings in our lives and brings glory to God. Now, this does not mean that life is just a cakewalk. In fact, God uses the very trials, the very struggles that we go through, the very hard times that sometimes can come upon us. We're like, why is this going on? It's because God wants us to receive glory through that. When we're, we're talking about the book of Joshua here with Israel going into the land of Canaan, the very first thing, once they went through the land of Canaan, they had to fight the battle of Jericho. Living the Christian life is not the absence of struggles. Living the Christian life is not the absence of trials. Living the Christian life is allowing God to receive victory through those trials. And God expects that of our life. God expects 
victory in our lives. He isn't ordering us to charge no man's land. It isn't supposed to be this deadlock where nothing is happening. We're supposed to be living a victorious Christian life. But we don't always do that, do we? Oftentimes we can allow struggles to overcome us. And I believe there's some answers, some lessons that we need to learn from the book of Joshua. See, when we come to this point in Joshua's life, when we come to this point, Joshua and the children of Israel are finally preparing to experience the victory that God has promised them. Remember, God had promised Abraham. We're going through that in our Sunday school lessons. We talked about Abraham a couple months ago. How God promised to Abraham, you are going to receive this land. Did Abraham receive that land? No. He dwelt as a stranger in it. Then God promised Isaac the same promise. And Jacob. And they didn't receive the land. Eventually, Jacob and his sons went into Egypt to be with Joseph. And they were there in captivity for 400 years. Was that, were they dwelling in the land of Canaan? Were they ruling the land of Canaan at that point? No. They were its slaves in Egypt. And, by, and then God brought Moses into their life. Now, had God's promises changed for the, land, for the people of Israel? No. God still promised them that they were going to have the land of Canaan. That they were going to enjoy the blessings of God. But they were slaves in Egypt. And God sent Moses and freed them with a mighty hand with the plagues. Um, God brought um, Israel out of Egypt and freed them from the bondage. And they were, they were now out of Egypt and they were heading to the promised land. Things were great. And then, because of their unbelief, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. They just went in circles because God had told them, I want you to go up and attack the land. I want you to go up and you can have that. And they sent the 12 spies. We know the story. If you know what I'm doing, nod your head. Know what I'm talking about, sorry. Nod your head. Yes, so they went in. The 12 spies went in. And they came back with an evil report. And they didn't believe God. And God said, all right, you're not going into the promised land. You're not going in. You're not going to receive the rest that I promised. You're not going to have the victory because you didn't believe me. So they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. During this time, Moses transgressed at the water. He struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And God said, you're not going to go into the promised land. Finally, the 40 years are up. This is where the book of Joshua comes in. The 40 years are up. The tribe of Israel is coming back. The nation of Israel is coming back. They're getting ready to go into the promised land again. But Moses, just because of his sin, because he didn't obey God, he would see the land of Canaan, but he wouldn't get to go in. He would die on the other side. And look at... um, Book of Deuteronomy, verse number 10 of chapter 34, just on right across the page for me, it says, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, who knew whom the Lord knew face to face, in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, and to all of his servants, and to all of his land, and in all that mighty hand, in all that great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. See, Moses 
the servant on the Lord, he had been leading the Israelites this whole time. And just before they cross over, God says, it's time for you to come home. You're not going to lead the nation of Israel over into the promised land. Notice it says in, in uh, Joshua, it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. I just took that phrase and searched it through the Bible. You know there's only three men in the Bible that are called the servant of the Lord? There's Moses. He's called the servant of the Lord in the Bible 18 times. Joshua, at the end of his life, at the end of the book of Joshua, is called twice. And David is called the servant of the Lord twice. Over and over and over again, Moses is referred to as the servant of the Lord. Moses is referred to as the man whom the Lord knew face to face. We're talking, when we're talking about Moses, he was the one who led him out of Egypt. Israel looked at Moses as the one who had come and led them out of slavery and led them to the promised land. Then Moses died. And the nation of Israel mourned for Moses for 30 days. And it's at that point, after the mourning is over, God comes to Joshua and tells him, it's time to move forward. It's time to start things again. It must have been intimidating to Joshua. Why? Why would I say it was intimidating to Joshua? Because God told Joshua several times, be strong and of a good courage. And later in, the cha- in our text, and then later in the chapter, the people of Israel, after this conversation with the Lord, the people of Israel come to Joshua and say, be strong and be of a good courage. It was intimidating to Joshua. Here he was. He had served with Moses. It wasn't like he was a nobody. He had been captain of the army. He had fought battles. He had been with Moses for 40 years. He had been one of the good spies that had got into the land and seen the land. He knew what God could do. But Moses was gone. And now it was on him. I get nervous just myself when I'm working with my dad and doing construction. All of it said. Dad says, I'm going to the store. You need to finish this project. I get nervous just looking at a project that I need to finish. Here's Moses now responsible for over three million people. Their lives are literally in his hand. He is the one who has to get counsel from God and take them where they need to go. If he leads them in a wrong way, he could lead them to their destruction. But God comes to Joshua and tells him, Hey, it is time to move forward. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. The time of grieving is over. Moses is gone. You're in command now. He commands him now. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land. This is important, which I do give them. God said, I'm the one giving the land. I am the one who's going to fulfill my promises. When he's talking about inheriting the land, remember, that goes all the way back to Abraham. This was something they had waited for and waited for and waited for. And God says, now is the time, Joshua. You're it. Time to move forward. God's plan was for them to enjoy the blessings of God. God's plan was for them to have the land to use. God's plan was for them to go into the land and to be a light of God's glory to the people around them. And God comes to Joshua and says, You're it. Time to go. Joshua needed to know the leadership of God at this point. Joshua desperately needed to have the success spiritually and physically for the people of God. 
He needed to lead the people. God was putting him in charge. And it was intimidating. It was up to him. Joshua was going to be leading the nation of Israel in the very face of opposition. They were going to have to go and they were going to have to drive the inhabitants out of the land who lived in walled cities, who were warriors. The nation of Israel were not warriors at this time. They never would be. They weren't a militant people. They were going to be going against people who were. And God had told them, time to move forward. So how could Joshua have success leading the nation of Israel forward? How could Joshua achieve what God wanted him to do? God's plan was for him to do that. God had promised that they would inherit the land. And now Joshua was in control. Joshua was the one in charge. How could he have success leading the nation forward? Even in the face of opposition. Well, Joshua... He needed to be reminded of some truths about God. So this, um, verses 1 through 9, is a conversation that God has with Joshua. A conversation where God is saying, if you're going to have the spiritual victory that I expect you to have, that I am going to give you, these are some things you need to know. He says in verse number 3, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness of this, and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going out down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Joshua needed to be reminded that God's promises had not changed. God had promised the things to Abraham, Isaac. God had given the promises to Moses. And he was reminding Joshua, as you move forward, I've commanded you, move into the land. It's time to move forward. New things need to happen. You need to achieve this victory. But God's promises hadn't changed. It wasn't a new thing. It wasn't, God wasn't giving him something new to do. It was the exact same thing that God had given Moses. He gave him the exact same area of land. He didn't shrink it and tell him, no, you don't have have to conquer this much, or I can't give you as much because you're not Moses. God said, you're, Moses is dead now. You're Joshua. The same promises apply. You're going to inherit the same land. And you, I am going to give the land to Israel, and you're going to divide it. That means when God says He's going to give it, that's dependent on God giving it to Him, right? God is saying, I'm going to give you this land. Now go take it. I am going to fulfill the promises that I have had. Go take it. Not only is He going to give the land, He says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. He is promising him military victory here. He's saying, I am giving you the land. And I'm not sending you to your death. I'm not sending you to defeat. There will not be a man able to stand before you. I am promising you military victory. I am promising you that you are not going to experience the defeat if you follow me. I am going to give you the victory. God was reminding him of his promises. God was reminding him also of his promises not only of the land, not only of military victory, 
But God was reminding him of his promise of God's presence, which was all important. Remember, in the, um, in the book of Exodus, where, um, at, around Mount Sinai, where God told Moses, I will send my angel before thee. And Moses said, God, if you do not go with us, we will not go up hence. Moses understood that the presence of God was so important that they could not achieve what God wanted them to do without his presence. And God was saying, Joshua, I was with Moses. You saw the Red Sea part. You saw, Joshua was one of the very few men who had seen the original miracles in Egypt. The older generation had died off. And Joshua had seen how God had been with Moses. How the plagues in Egypt and God had led them out through the Red Sea and how God had provided the manna day after day after day. And God says, as I was with Moses, I will be with thee. If, God, if Joshua is saying, if I'm going to do what God wants me to do, I need to have God's presence in my life. And God is reminding him, God is showing him and revealing his promises that just because Moses had it, doesn't mean you can't have it. I know Moses was older and everybody respects Moses maybe a little more than they do you, at least at this time. I have not changed. God's saying, I have not changed. I am the same God that I was to Moses. I am the same God to you. You can rely on me. You can trust me. You have what you need in me. Saying, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I think of a time when I was a little chill, when I was a little kid. I'm still a big kid now. But when I was a little kid, we would have pillow fights with my brothers. We would have Peter and Stephen. Well, Stephen's crazy. He's always been crazy. And I had this smart idea because Peter was bigger than both of us. It was both of us against Peter. And I told Stephen, listen, you attack from the, even though I was older than Stephen, I was five years, I'm five years older than Stephen. I told Stephen, you attack from the front, and I'll attack from the back. And this was my planning. And Peter would turn, he would see Stephen, and he would knock him halfway across the room. And then I'd come in the back and beat on Peter. And as soon as he turned around, I'd take off. And then Stephen, I'd go over pick up Stephen. Come on, Stephen, get up, go back. You take the front, I'll take the back. I don't know why Stephen kept on doing that. He, he, but that's maybe why he's so tough now. But, I, because I, Stephen, you take the front and I'll take the back. You know what? That's not what God was saying with jo- Joshua here. God wasn't telling Joshua, listen, you go and, I, and I, I'll be back there, you know, in case, in case you get knocked out, I'll be back there. No, that's not what God was saying. God wasn't saying, you know, I'll wait till you get knocked out to come and help you. God was telling Joshua, There's not a man who's going to be able to stand before you. I'm giving you the same land. I am going to be with you. I will not leave thee. I will not forsake thee. I'm not going to fail you. You can depend upon me. Joshua, no doubt, he knew these things. He knew that he could depend on God. But knowing God's promises did not guarantee success and victory. Simply knowing what God had promised did not guarantee that he was going to have the victories he needed To take the promised land. See, Joshua also needed to be reminded of the strength and courage required to fulfill the work that God had called him to do. God tells him, commands him, be strong and of a good courage. Now, 
God isn't telling Joshua, suck it up and be a man. That's not, what, that's not really what God is telling Joshua. He isn't saying, just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get your armor on, and just start marching. To an extent, he's telling Joshua, don't, don't be a wussy man. He is telling him that, but he's saying, Joshua, because I am with you, because my promises are true, be strong and of a good courage. You don't need to doubt me. You don't need to wonder whether I'm going to be there. You can be of strong. You can be stout. You can be firm. You can have the strength that you need. You can have courage. You can be firm because of who I am. Because I am God. Because I am the same God who freed you from Egypt. I am the same God who parted the Red Sea. I'm going to be the same God who's going to later part Jordan. Joshua didn't know that was going to happen yet. Joshua didn't know that the walls of Jericho were going to fall down. But Joshua did know that God had told him, be strong and of a good courage. He told him, listen, trust me. Follow me. Obey me. He needs to be firm and fast. And he could be strong and courageous because he had God's promises. God said, you will, verse number 6, For unto this people thou shalt divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto the fathers to give them. You know what? If God's promising Joshua you're going to divide the land, that meant they would have conquered the land. Joshua couldn't divide the land until they conquered it. And God's saying, be strong and of a good courage. You're going to do this. The work that I'm going to give you is going to be accomplished. But Joshua also needed the strength and courage to follow the law of God. Look at verse number 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Moses had spent much time talking with Joshua. He had trained him. He had laid his hands on him and said, You're going to be the leader. Now follow God. Do what God's law said. Turn not from it, he said, which, all, which Moses my servant commanded thee, because that turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." Joshua needed the strength, he needed the courage to observe the law of God. He had seen the people of Israel backslide. He had come down and he had seen the molten calf. And seen how quickly Israel had turned out of the way. And he, here he was, he was supposed to lead these people. He was supposed to keep them in the law of God, but he had to start with himself. He had to say, Joshua, God is telling Joshua, be strong. Be very courageous. Stay with it. Don't lose heart. That thou mayest observe all the law. Do everything that is written in it. Observe has the idea of um, keeping it, watching it, going with it, fulfilling it, li- um, living your life by it. Letting the law of God dictate how he walked. He says you need to observe all of it. You need to meditate 
on it. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. God's word was to be part of who Joshua was. It was to be with him every day. He needed to do, observe it every day. He needed to meditate in it day and night. Joshua was to take the law that God had given him. He was to take what God had taught them. And he was to make, make it part of very who he was. It was to be part of his person. When he went to sleep, it was to be on his mind. When he woke up, it was to be on his mind. As he was going about and he was fulfilling the duties of being the commander of the army and leading the children of Israel, he wasn't supposed to be, I wonder what I should do now. It was supposed to be, what does God's word say? It wasn't supposed to be, okay, I wonder what I'd like to do today. What does God's word tell me to do today? And he needed to be strong and courageous if he was going to do that. God's warning him here. He's saying, be strong and courageous. Don't let it leave you. Don't let it depart out of your mouth, Joshua. Because obedience to God's law, when he obeyed it, when he observed God's law, it would give Joshua the success he needed. It would give Joshua the ability to be able to lead the children of Israel says he would prosper whithersoever he went. That means he would prosper in the battles that he would have to fight. He would see the blessings of God come on his life. If he was observing the law of God, he would have good success. He would accomplish what God wanted him to do. Because it wasn't his plans. If he was obeying the law of God, he would be trying to do God's plans. If he was obeying the law of God, he would be trying to accomplish what God wanted him to accomplish. And God would say, you're going to have good success. If you're strong and courageous, if you stay with it, if you grab a hold of the law of God and you stay with it and obey it and do it, you're going to have good success. You're going to have the spiritual victory that you need to have. You're going to take the land of Canaan. It would be pleasing to God and it would be helpful to His people. His people would finally have the land that God had promised. They would see the promises of God fulfilled in His lifetime, in His people, if He would simply obey God's law. Simply, Joshua could have success leading the nation of Israel forward in the face of opposition by remembering the promises of God and courageously following God's law. He could have the success he needed by remembering the promises of God and courageously following God's law. So what does God want you to do today? What has God shown you through His Word that you and I should be striving for? What obstacles are standing in our way that God wants to see us have the victory over? You and I can have spiritual success. When we remember the promises of God and courageously follow His Word, the problem is we tend to allow the difficulty of the tasks, whatever the problem is, to sap our strength and courage. We allow what we're facing to bring us down. We become like the ten spies where we see, well, there's giants in the land. We can't do it. There's giants in the land. We'll never do that. I'll never have the victory over this sin. I will never 
be the witness at my workplace that God wants me to be. I will never be the father, the mother, the single person, whatever it is, whatever your role in life is. I will never be able to do that. But God is always the same and we can always trust his promises. God was with Moses. God said, I will be with you, Joshua. And Joshua could move forward. Joshua could go and accomplish what God had for him. If he remembered God's promises and acted on them. If he simply courageously, because it's never easy to do what's right. It's never easy to follow God. But as a Christian, God desires us to experience the same victories that he promised to Joshua. Have the same level of victory. We can have victory over sin in our lives. We can have the blessings of God. We can see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. Because spiritual victory is the result of biblical living. When we live by what the Bible says, when we do what God says, we can experience spiritual victory. It isn't complicated. We can have God's promise. We have God's presence with us. God's Word promises that we have, if we're saved, we have God in our heart to lead us and to guide us into all truth. When I think about, I was thinking about this sermon and I thought, about a story when I was um, went fishing with Brother Horton. I was about eight years old. And he let me steer the boat. I was sitting there. We were in um, the fishing boat out in New York Harbor and um, down the New Jersey shore a little bit, actually, and we're going around. And he let me steer the boat. I was so excited. But was I really steering the boat? Yeah, I had my hands on the wheel. But Brother Horton was right there the whole time. He'd point here, and if I didn't go there instantly, if I didn't start turning the wheel right there, he'd grab a hold of that wheel and just, he wouldn't jerk it out of my hand, he'd just give it a little bit of turn. Right about there, Andrew, right about there, hold it there. And then he'd point this way, and I'd start to try to turn, and he'd help me turn it this way. You know, I was trying to direct the boat, but he knew where the boat needed to go. I didn't. He knew how to get the boat there. I didn't. And so long as I let him have his hand on that wheel, even though I like to feel like I was in control driving the boat, so long as I let him tell me where to go, we were in perfect safety. And we have God's presence with us. And when we allow God to put his hand on that wheel of our life, of our decisions, and say, this is where you need to go. Do this now. You know what? Sometimes the decisions aren't easy. We don't know where God wants us to go. We don't know what God has ahead for us. But if we simply follow God, obey His Word, we can experience the spiritual victory that we so desperately need. So where is God leading you to move forward? Missions conference is coming up. Is He leading you to move forward in your giving? Your witnessing, your church attendance, daily responses to life situations, we always need to improve in that. No matter what's going on, there's always times where we let the situation get to us. Where we let the traffic, or the subway car, or whatever it is, begin to say, and we begin to try to grab the wheel and do what we want. But we can have spiritual success when we simply remember God is always the same. 
God hasn't changed. We can trust in who God is. And because we can do that, we can continue to obey God. We can be strong and courageous and obey God because God is always the same. God never changes. God never changes His mind. We can always move forward because of who God is. So allow God to remind you of His promises. God has promised to return. God has promised that His presence is going to be with us. God has paid the price for our sin. Remember the promises of God as we're seeking to move forward for God. As we're seeking to see victory in our lives that God wants to accomplish. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done. Remember His promises. That He's returning. That He is with us. Allow who God is to change how you obey His Word. The Bible is my orders from heaven. The Bible is your orders from heaven. It tells you what God wants you to do. It isn't some mystical voice. We know this. If you've been in open door at all, any time at all, you've heard it. It's all written down what we need to do. It's all written down. It's not complicated. God's will isn't something that's way out there. It is simply observe. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Remember, um, I've used this um, several times, but the verbs there it's talking about, often I, I think it's causative that God is doing something. Well, in this, the subject is Joshua. Josh, and God is saying, if you, the good success that you can have, the prosperous I will make, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. He's saying, Joshua, whether you are going to have a prosperous way or not is dependent on your obedience to my word. Because your obedience to my word determines your prosperity. When it says, thou shalt make thy way, that's causative. Your obedience creates a prosperous way. Your obedience to my word creates the good success. God gives us victories we cannot even imagine when we simply obey Him. Joshua would later face the Jordan crossing, the walls of Jericho, battle after battle, where he would see God give him the victory when he obeyed God's word. What about your life? Spiritual victory is the result of biblical living. Is what it is. You know what? It isn't some complicated. We don't need some book, how-to book, 12 steps to living a, a spiritual life, 12 steps to having victory over sin. We just need to obey what we already have. Because spiritual victory is the result of biblical living. And Joshua is getting ready to embark on his, the most think, terrifying thing he has ever done. Moses is gone. He's supposed to lead the children of Israel where Moses couldn't go. He needed, God is telling him, move forward. He needed to be sure that he was going to have the spiritual victory that God said. He needed to be sure of that. And God said, you want that good success? You want that victory? I'm with you. I'm always the same. 
Just obey me. Just follow me. Just follow my word. But that's where we all struggle the most. It's just the daily obedience to God's word. But when we do that, we will experience the spiritual victory that God wants us to have more than we do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. I just pray that it would be free to speak to hearts, Lord, and that you would do the speaking. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll just take a moment before.